Hi, I'm Carrie Adams and you're listening to Carrie's Corner. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers, the people who make it happen in the liquor industry around the world. So, let's get sipping. Today I've got one of my favorite people in my corner with me. It's Carrie's Corner and I've got Gerard Holden sitting with me. Hi, thanks for joining me. Hi Carrie, it's great to be here as usual. Well now, I have to tell you that after 20 something years of doing radio, I'm so intimidated by all these cameras and lights and things. Are you? I don't know, I just kind Taking of no get on with it. And, yeah. Okay, well we'll pretend. I've we'll got pretend a great person right. in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Gerard, the reason I'm chatting to you today is because... The big G, Holden Mance, big G. Oh, well, first of all, for those who don't know, I mean, I think everybody does know, but you are the proprietor of Holden Mance. You and Migo, your partner, yes, yes. are the proprietors of Holden Mance, beautiful little winery in Franschhoek. More than that, you are Mr. Franschhoek, which we'll get on to later. But the big G, which has sort of taken on cultish proportions in Johannesburg, really, one Celia... Gillaway's Red Blends Challenge. It's the 2022 Red Blends Challenge, and I halted there because it's a new category that she's put together, which I don't think existed before in any of the other competitions. No. On its own. Tell us about the Red Blend that is Big G. So um, Big G started off uh, fairly quickly after we bought the farm in 2010. And it was actually our first successful wine that we were recognized for. So the 2009 Big G was vinified by the previous owners, but we got to blend it and we got to to make it. Was it called Big G? It it was called something else. Yeah, no, it wasn't. You are Um, Big G. It couldn't possibly have been called Big G. G, But we we created Big G back in 2010. And in 2012, we submitted it to Decanter. Uh, World Wine Awards, and it got a a gold, uh, which we were quite amazed by. Nobody more pleased than me that you got a gold, because I was waiting for something delicious to come out of Holden Mance. I was really pleased with that. And it's in the early days, it started off much more as a Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc blend in almost equal proportions. Uh, One of the issues that we have at Holden Mance is that we're quite constrained with our Cabernet Franc vineyard. It's only about a hectare. Yes. And we have a lot more Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, and Syrah. So as demand for the Big G grew, we had to ask ourselves a question. Do we keep the volume at a particular level, constrained mm. by a sort of 50-50 Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc? Or do we go more into a sort of Bordeaux left bank style mm. and have the Cabernet Sauvignon more dominant let the Cabernet Franc level drop down and potentially introduce some Merlot. Yes. So we had a couple of years where we wanted to give a little bit more shoulders um, and width to the wine. And so we we tested by adding some Merlot. And it came from our reserve Merlot part of the vineyard. I was going to say, you got some pretty smart Merlot so, on your farm. So yeah, we're very lucky. Good with, choice. Very yeah. lucky with that. And we found that by adding the Merlot, it really broadened out the wine and filled in the parts that the Cabernets were were sort of missing. And and then as we came forward into the 2015 
16, 17, we've kind of got to this blend of 70% Cabernet Sauvignon, 20% Cabernet Franc and 10% Merlot. Mm. And we move around a few percentage mm. points mm. either way, depending on, on taste. Obviously, we want to produce the, the most optimum tasting wine that we think mm. We can do each vintage, mm. and that's where we've. That's kind of where we've got to. So well, you know, a, it's just such a good example for for people who are not familiar with those kind of blends. You know, South African people until very recently they favour single cultivar wines, so they would rather buy a straight Cabernet or a straight Merlot, straight Shiraz, than than something blended. And it's only in the last sort of five to ten years that people in South Africa have started falling for the same blends that France fell in love with many, many hundreds of years ago. But just for them who don't know yet about blends, I always like to think of Cabernet as being that sort of skeleton. It's it's the bones, isn't it? It's it's the skeleton. And then that Cabernet Franc and that Merlot. They really do put the muscle and the ligaments yes. and they, they pull everything and they put that they turn that skeleton into a person. Correct. And you have this absolutely um, unique for me it's unique in Franchuk touch where you get optimum ripeness on your fruit, which makes your red wines, dare I say, sweet. And when I say sweet, they are fruit sweet. They're not mm. sugar sweet. They're fruit sweet, guys, and that's what you want. You don't want sour, pinched, tight, mean wine, do you? You want ripe wine. No, our our philosophy and Thierry Haber, our cellar master, who's mm. been with us now for seven years, he comes out of the Bordeaux school and he's very much focused on phenolic ripeness. Yes. So getting the pips right, getting, getting the skins ripe and getting the whole grape ready to give everything that it's got. So we're trying to avoid the sort of green pepper type um, tastes and smells. It's almost like a mintiness. That comes out of that and, and the mintiness mm. that comes with it sometimes. And and so we we tend to be the latest to pick in the Franchuk wine valley. So we're we're in a strange part of the Franchuk wine valley. It's the southernmost corner. And we we get probably the coldest and the wettest, and the windiest, and the hottest. It's at quite, a, times it's of quite the year. a hard ask. It is, it is. Mm. And I think that puts the, the vines through quite a, a stressful period. They obviously get a lot of rest in the wintertime because we get quite a, quite a, a number of c- cooler days. We quite, quite often will wake up in the wintertime and we've got sort of a bit of frost on the grass outside, mm. uh, which is unusual in the Cape, as you know. It's, mm. quite, it's pretty usual up here mm. in Johannesburg. And and I think what that does is it lets lets the the vines grow quite naturally when they come into the, the new growing cycle. We get we get quite a lot of um, foliage develop on mm. on our vines. We Do work, you thin it out? We work very hard. I know to, your canopy management. I'm sure with Terry being a Frenchman, yeah. canopy management is the golden holy grail. Really, I mean you. It is. You need to manage those canopies down to the point sometimes where you even can calculate how much sunlight a bunch of grapes, when you get to your final um, piece de resistance, which is your one bunch, I'm sure, and some of yours because yours are very carefully hand-tailored, you can actually work out how much sunlight you want it through managing that canopy. And it can be just by sometimes taking one vine leaf off. Correct. So 
certainly in the areas where we're growing the reserve wines and where we're growing the, the component parts of the big G, Thierry himself will go in with the pruning team yeah. and he'll show them exactly what he wants to do from a pruning perspective. And then when it comes to canopy management, he'll go in with them again and he'll show them exactly how he wants each side, the, the morning side and the afternoon side, to be managed from a, from a canopy management perspective. Mm. And that's critical. Uh, he, his, his motto is, we make great wine in the vineyard. Yeah. And his job in the cellar should be relatively easy if we've done a good job in the yes. six months of growing. That's how it should be in a, in a real happy, balanced yeah, world, that's shouldn't kind it? Of what, mm. we, what we strive for. And Gerard, how much Big G do you bottle? Enough for everybody in South Africa to have a bottle? We make about 14,000 bottles a year. We could probably make twenty. It's really not enough, is it? Bottles a year and, <laughs> and, and sell out. We it's the fastest selling wine of of all the Holden Mance range, mm. and it um, it's got a footprint that goes from California across to China. I'm sure the Californians and, love um, it. Pretty much everywhere in between. So you've managed to get the perfect. You know, one of the things that you've done that I've always loved about you and your farm is that you. You very smartly targeted a market that you wanted to appeal to. How many years ago since you bought Holden Mans? 12, 12 15 years ago, years ago or something? Years. And you targeted your, your um, desired market then, and you have unswervingly stuck to it. When anybody else would have said, we don't like this, we don't like what you're doing, we like what used to come out of there, you've changed this, you've tweaked that way, you have absolutely stuck to your guns and it is such a good lesson for anybody not only in wine marketing marketing full stop stick to your knitting you know have you when last did you see coca-cola changing their label exactly. really yeah, exactly when did you see them changing their recipe unless absolutely forced to from sugar you know with sugar levels and what have you you stick to your knitting and it's worked you have a tried and trusted brand that i think appeals i don't think i know it appeals to a South African palette, which is a very different palette to possibly an English or a French or an American or an Australian palette. We have assumed our own palette style. Talk to me about that. Yes, yeah, so what I think is interesting is, is always to look at the food that people are consuming. And food consumption, diet, lifestyle tends to have a big driver on, on palates and how people appreciate Yes. Different elements such as wine. And I think, you know, once you kind of immerse yourself a little bit in the South African culture, it's obviously quite a heavily meat dominated eating culture. And mm. compared with some other countries in the world, there is a fair chance that you're going to be consuming that bottle of wine with a meat dish. And that and so if you can take the the bulk of the the, the meals that are gonna get consumed and taste that against the wine, and see check that it's complementary with that in in a, in a number of different ways. That mm. Whether it's a a peppery basting or whether it's all the way through to a more creamy basting. Yes. And well, South Africa, lots of barbecue, lots which of, lots of sugar and stuff correct, in it. Yeah. yeah. So so does it work with a lot of those elements? And I think what we found with the Big G, especially, is that it did work incredibly well with with those. Um, with those food elements. And when we started to work with Big G offshore and UK, probably one of the biggest markets for, for Big G, Germany is a big market. They obviously have slightly different 
food habits mm, mm. And, and different palates. But I think the flexibility of the Big G and the fact that it, it has those three components kind of combines to make sure there's something there for everybody. For everyone, yeah. And, and so whilst it's primarily designed for the South African market and, and certainly it's, it has a good, a good following. Yes. In, with people who are more Epicurean in, mm. in, their, in their sort of habits, mm. it's definitely a wine which they, they figure is part of their sort of weekly wine consumption. Mm. Maybe they, they go out to somewhere like Marble and they have a bottle of Big G at Marble mm. um, with a, one of their fantastic steaks that they've they Well, David's been amazing. Importing. David and Vickers, they've supported yes. Holden Mans for quite, not not right from the very beginning. It no, was, took no. a little bit of time to get it Oh, there. we didn't deserve it from the we start. <laughs> <laughs> you did really. That that big G was a was a cracker from bottling number one. Really, mm. um, some of the other older Holden Mans wines that you got lumped with were yeah. were a bit more of a story. But big G, you really did get off yeah. out of the starting blocks early. So whilst we, well, I suppose before we before we move on to something else about about um, Holden Mans, I just wanted to chat briefly about your competition in events by Celia's Tasting. First of all, kudos to Celia. She is an old hand in the tasting industry in South Africa. She she runs a fabulous show. And I really am doing what I can to support Celia's business at this stage of the game because I think she's found a niche that is called for. It's for wineries who are smaller and sometimes can't really afford to enter all these very big, fancy, flashy competitions and give away caseloads of wine and what have you. What are the criteria with Celia? Just run me by. You don't have to so give loads of stuff away very, and pay, do very you? Very simple, typical Celia mm. event. Um, very straightforward. She gets to the point, and yes. you know, we've entered her Cabernet Franc Challenge and been very successful in the Cabernet Franc Challenge since she started yes. that. And... I think what was really successful with Cabernet Franc Challenge was it was very specific. It was single varietal. Yes. And it was a varietal which, whilst not necessarily mainstream in South Africa, was certainly there and mm. there or thereabouts. Mm. And I think mm. it encouraged people who were growing Cabernet Franc and blending it away to start to produce a single Because there's varietal. not a huge amount of single varietal producers. 55 hey? entries at the last, um, at the last count. Mm. So it's quite a quite a reasonable reasonable mm. number, and I think that the Cabernet Franc challenge certainly increased the desire of producers to produce better Cabernet Franc or Cabernet Franc, which was was more highly rated. Well, I've tasted on that panel a couple of times, as you know, and I personally have noticed an increase in um, quality of Cabernet Franc over the last three years in South Africa because there's some when it's gorgeous. It's very, very gorgeous. We'll talk about Cabernet Franc yeah. now, but when it's horrible, it's dreadful. It's, yeah, exactly. And and there are there are now some very exciting Cabernet Francs. And in fact, next week I'm flying to Cape Town to go down and judge this year's Cabernet Franc Championship. Oh wow, that'll be a lot of fun. So let's see. But tell tell the listeners yes. and the viewers about Cab Franc. Yeah, well, Cabernet Franc is um, is is a sort of quite quite often. And not a particularly well-known varietal. More often than not, it doesn't have its own limelight. It sits there as part of a blend, typically a Bordeaux-style blend. 
and you know Cabernet Franc is very important in the evolution of the the varietals that we have today because it's the parent one of the parents of Cabernet Sauvignon. So we have Cabernet yes. Franc and Sauvignon Blanc, which were the two parent. Hard to varietals. believe that. Very really. hard to believe. Yeah. So that's when you think how beautiful Halle Berry sort of exactly. like mixed. Yeah. Mixed genes like that can be very successful or very ghastly. Yes, so in this case, it's amazing. It's just yeah, and and so I think when you when you pull Cabernet Franc apart from from a blend, you start to appreciate its qualities, mm. and perhaps the most noticeable quality is the herbaceousness that comes with Cabernet Franc, which isn't noticeable necessarily with Cabernet Sauvignon, mm. and that herbaceousness is, is not green it shouldn't be green no it should be herby mm. and that doesn't mean grass no it means herbs so mm. some of the herb notes i get from our current release of the cabernet franc reserve is um tarragon which oh, is quite an unusual smell but tarragon quite often get that on the nose um get some um, oregano coming on the nose and then yeah, when we walk through the fanboss and we get that smell that you kind of kick up with your, boss is your, your feet as you walk through. Yeah. That, those sort of it's um, very top of notes this. that come through are, are prevalent as well mm. in, in Cabernet Franc. And there's a few things that, that you have to watch though with Cabernet Franc. It loves to overcrop. So it wants to produce loads and loads of fruit. We should get it. You've got to be very <laughs> you've got to be very brutal with it. So we're typically pruning to two, maybe three bunches per stem. So we really, really drop the yield right down because Breaks my heart. <laughs> we want to we want to concentrate all the all the goodness in those bunches. And of course yes. ripeness is critical mm. with Cabernet Franc. So mm. if you if you don't get phenolically ripe grapes, you're going to have lots of uh, those green pepper pyrazine uh, flavours horrible. coming through. And for us, it's not what we think Cabernet Franc should be about. We no. think Cabernet Franc should be nice and ripe and round. Well, you um, know, sometimes I think, I think people need to understand that when you're picking your grapes, we all get fancy and talk about things like phenolic ripeness and what have you. But one of the most important things for me always through the years that I studied and what have you, I found that if, if the grape is properly ripe, the pips taste quite nice. Correct. If you bite a grape pip and you get that powdery yep. bitterness, and that's what a lot of Cabernet Franc can taste like because people tend to pick it too green, don't too they? Too early, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so just, I mean, going back to, to Celia, she, she clearly has an eye on the consumer mm. as well as, on, as, as the producer. Yes, which we like. And, you know, when we... When we look at some of the competitions, they have 10 different categories for red blends. So they have like a Bordeaux-style blend and they'll have a blend with Pinotage and yes. a blend with Syrah and a blend and a with Cape something blend and a Cape and blend a, and whatever. Mm. And when when customers go to a restaurant or go to a bottle shop, they don't go and ask for, can I have a blend with Pinotage, please? Or can no, I have a Cape blend? it's just called red they blends. They just want a red blend. It's quite right. And so I think she's been very clever by keeping the category open and saying it's a red blend. And yes. if it's red and it's blended, <laughs> you can enter. And just for um, anybody sort of listening, um, 
you then will find your way with red blends. You'll either swerve in the direction of Bordeaux-style blends, which is what Big G is. Yep. There are Rhone-style blends, which are sometimes Shiraz, well, not sometimes, they're Shiraz or Grenache-driven, really. Yep. And they tend to do quite well they're in South very Africa good, as very well. Very good wines in South Africa. Um, you've got one of those in your lineup, haven't you? Well, is it Vernissage or um, haven't one of your we, blends? We tend to use Syrah the way the, the, the old timers used to use it in Bordeaux. So yes. going back into the late 19th century, the Bordelais would bring in Syrah from the Rhone Valley yes. to strengthen up their blends. And yes. We, we don't do it for that purpose, but we do it because we think that Cabernet and Merlot, for example, work really well with the addition of some Syrah. Yes, they do. So our Lady May de Lancassan says that yeah, as well absolutely. from Glen Ellie. Yeah. She makes a lovely one. So Syrah features in quite a few of our wines in combination with typical Bordeaux varieties. Okay, so you don't have a Rhone-style blend, We don't have so a Rhone-style blend as, as such, uh, but there are some very good No, there's some Syrah, lovely ones. Grenache combinations, yeah. plus, plus obviously other And then, varieties. of course, the Cape blends, Cape red blends, they have to have a, a good splosh of Pinotage they in do. them. So that's yes. not going to be you because you don't have Pinotage no, on your farm. we don't have Pinotage. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so Celia, we can put Celia to into everybody's head to look out for events by Celia because she really does. I think you're spot on. She is running her competitions with the consumer the, as, as, the, as the winner at the end of the day. So you're going to get a medal on your Big G and everybody is going to be able to see in the shop that Big G has won the Red Blend competition, according to Celia. But the end user is going to win as well because I think she researches her, her market very well and she also gets quite highly qualified tasters to come in and do her tastings. So it's not she has a small panel tasting compared to some of the competitions and it's a small panel that is interactive. It's completely professional. Nobody knows it's blind, tasted blind, but she does encourage quite a lot of discussion around the wine. So without giving away any hints and in too much of, uh, you know, that we're not allowed to know about, she really does facilitate lively and vibrant debate around the wines and everybody who enters those competitions gets a good shot. Your competition um, in, this, in this lineup was quite interesting. I saw last year also you got you were the winner the overall winner but then she breaks it down into gold and silver medals i see that drick may knit got a gold again last year i think it was in the top three last year as well um Fred and list the ella i'm so pleased to see that it's part of our business shop as well i'm as going well. to drag you into my business shop Okay. Any day now, and I'm going to insist that we've got some Holden Man's wines in there for our listeners and our and our, our watchers. They're not just listeners anymore, are they? No, they they want to take me. What are they? What do they? What do we call consumers? Them? Consumers. They're we'll consumers. call them consumers. There was there was quite a strong lineup. There was Reebok's Clear Flat Rock Red. That is lovely wine. Um, Waterford's Antigo was there. Warwick Three Cape Ladies. So you're punching in quite a heavy weight ring and as you say with all different types of blends so it's quite hard for the panel to decide which out of all of those with all their varying attributes is top but of course big g was it's absolutely blooming delicious everybody needs to have a bottle of big g what in store for holden mans for the rest of the year 
Any secrets so, we should know about? Well, we're in we're in harvest at the moment, and as I said earlier, we tend to be the latest in Franchuk, so it's the the first week of April. We took our Merlot reserve in yesterday. Oh, I um, love that and uh, even though I couldn't couldn't be a participant because I'm up here in Johannesburg, I was enjoying looking at the photographs and the video of the berries mm. going through the process. So that's looking really promising. Thierry is very happy. He says it's back to sort of 2019, uh, 2018 quality. So, we're Well, I've spoken to a couple of wine farmers in the last month or so over the harvest period, and they started off by saying this is a really, really difficult harvest because I think that the weather conditions were not that conducive. Yeah. But I think that the people who managed the downy mildew in the vineyards and what have you, the people who'd sprayed for it and the people who'd been clever, um, they've all emerged saying it is probably going to be an absolute cracking yes, vintage. I think so. It looks mm. that way at the moment. Mm. And when I was last on the farm, I was tasting through the, the vineyard and it certainly certainly tasted like it had all the potential Did it taste to, like to come, al- come along. So <laughs> we're going to be a le- bit, bit later finishing harvest this year. We normally finish by about the 15th of April, but I think we might even be getting into the, Easter bunny time. the last week. Um, yeah. We'll be after Easter, that's for sure. Yeah. So it is what it is. You know, we, we're driven by nature at the end of the day. So we're not, we're not going to work to a calendar. We're going to work to when the, yes. when the grapes are ready. And of course, you are, you head up the Franschuk wine route, whatever it is. The Franschuk vignerons. Vignerons. Yes, the Franschuk so. is one of our little hidden gems in South Africa. It is extraordinarily pretty. It's steeped in history. You boys really do look after it. And I know that it takes time and money and effort and energy to keep Franschuk just as beautiful as it is. Because it is, I think, our biggest tourist draw card in the country. And I'm probably going to be shot down in flames for that by all kinds of other people. <laughs> but Franschuk is, wherever I travel in the world, everybody says, oh, you come from South Africa and you work in the winelands. Do you come from Franschuk? It is extraordinarily beautiful. It's an amazing brand, and mm. it's a brand which is which is global. And certainly, yes, I've spoken to people from from all over the world who've been to Franschuk or have heard about yeah. Franschuk. It's on their bucket list of a, a place to visit. I, I think it is very special. It's it's got incredible diversity in terms of the um, the, the vineyard that, that yes. is Franschuk because it obviously stretches from the head of the valley where Franschuk passes. All the way down to to the entrance of the valley, or halfway halfway along the entrance to the valley, sort of where Boschendal and yes. Allee Bleu are. Yes. So you've got some very different soils and very different climatic mm. conditions, uh, and that's brilliant. I think from the perspective of being able to showcase lots of different varietals that do well in in I a relatively small space. It is a tiny space. Um, I want you to promise me that before you either sell. Holden Mance, or I die. You're going to produce a Chardonnay because I have a thing about Chardonnay and Franschuk. And I do believe that Franschuk should be producing one of the best Chardonnays in the country. And I just feel like where you are at the foot of that mountain, I just feel like you would make gorgeous Chardonnay. Do you have any planted? So we don't plant Chardonnay on our little patch. We've only got 16 hectares of vineyard mm. and that we need every every drop of mm. red that comes off the farm. We we have historically for our Chardonnay taken grapes from 
um, a ridge overlooking False Bay and a high location on the back of the Simmonsburg, so opposite Della Graff. And uh, for the last two vintages, we've actually taken Chardonnay from Franchuk, from Glenwood. Have you? And uh, D.P. Berger, who's the the general manager and cellar master. Is he the, the, is he at Glenwood? He's at Glenwood, yeah. He's that a was Dave King's farm, hey, wasn't it? Um, no, 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 no. He was next door to Glenwood. Door, what was that yeah. thing called? Anyway, it doesn't matter. So um, DP grows incredible uh, Chardonnay. And Glenwood, they've got about three or four that they bottle themselves correct. and they're delicious. Yes. So we've we've started to build that Franchuk Chardonnay into our two Good. Chardonnays. And, just um, got a feeling about it. Yes, in fact, we started the 2020, which we're just releasing the reserve Chardonnay of, does have about 25% uh, French Chardonnay in it. But I feel like I want it off your farm. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Chardonnay is necessarily the right varietal for our little corner of the Franchuk Valley, I think. You just don't want to take those red I don't want to take those red vines. I know, you don't. Okay, we'll leave you. We'll drink the Glenwood grapes. Yeah. It's fine. What else do we need to know about? And then um, we're obviously looking forward to welcome back the tourists from overseas. Oh. We Do you think it's going to come this year? Yeah, I, I do. We, we're starting to see bookings for October, December Fabulous. next year. So that's a sign that people are planning ahead. I think what people have forgotten through COVID is pre-COVID, we'd, we would normally be running an inventory of up to six or nine months of bookings ahead. Wow. And with COVID, that obviously evaporated. Mm-hmm. And so I think we've been going through this recovery phase saying, are the tourists coming back? Are they not coming back? And they've started to dribble in, but not they haven't started to make medium-term plans yeah. to come here. And I think we're starting to see Fantastic. people, and you know, it's the Germans, it's the English, it's the Dutch, mm-hmm. on, on the whole Americans as well, who are starting to plan for the next sort of six months. Well, hopefully holiday. we've got some, some Germans, Dutch, French, Italians, English, who watch these podcasts. I hope so. And will spread the word according to these podcasts because we do need those tourists back yes, we really yeah. desperately need them and and before you go um possibly you and i can plan to do a few french tastings that'd together a, with business or whatever in johannesburg yes. yeah so that you know i always feel sorry for the people in in johannesburg because they do buy a large portion of what is vinified and bottled in south africa and just because our biggest tourist sort of events are business ones mm. or banks or property development or whatever, we miss out on all that gorgeousness, which is the wine industry. So sometimes if we can bring a little bit of that wine industry to Johannesburg, I love to do that. And you're brilliant at doing it. You come and visit us two, three, four, five, six, ten times a year. You're fantastic at doing it. Congratulations on your award. Big G deserves every single award it can get. Holden Mance deserves every award it can get. And as ever, thank you for joining me, Gerard. Thanks, Carrie. Lovely to see you. Cheers.